Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Support WrestleTalk! Give us a subscribe. Hey everybody, I'm John Cena. Hey, it's professional wrestler Colt Boom Boom Cabana. Hey, I'm Double J Jeff here. This is Rich Swan, Matt Riddle, the King of Rose. Support Wrestle Talk. Support Wrestle Talk. Support Wrestle Talk. Do it, bro. Support Ollie. Support Luke. Support Wrestle Talk. Support Wrestle Talk. Home of Luke Owen. Whatever Wrestle Talk is, and whoever Luke Owen is, support the Ravens. Nevermore. Wrestle Talk. Hello and welcome to the WrestleTalk podcast. I am Luke Owen and I'm joined by Laurie Blake. Hello, mate. Hi, mate. How's it going? Good, bud. How are you? Yeah, grand. Getting there. Grand. Getting towards the end of the week. Getting towards mania. And then we can all calm the <laughs> F down, can't we? Calm it oh, down. Can we, though? Because like, yeah, there'll we'll be bring money it in the bank and then it'll be SummerSlam and then it'll be Survivor Series and the whole thing just loops round again. And we'll just be here this time. Although at least by that point, we'll be it's in a Mitchell and Webb sketch about football season, isn't it? It's, <laughs> that's what it is. No one ever wins the wrestling. It's just going to no. keep going forever. Um, I did like this actually. I've had an email. Speaking of like this thing going on forever, um, it's actually quite nice actually because we had this email from uh, Nishant um, who has been listening to some of the old podcasts. Um, talking about like he stumbled across the review for WrestleMania 36, and it was nice to hear Luke and Adam uh talk together. Um, but I like this one as well, where he just said, uh, he sent us another one that says, uh, I'm listening to all podcasts like I usually do, and came across the review you did for Raw on the 15th of July 2019. It features Steve here from the Going In Raw podcast. If you fast forward to the 44 minute mark, you'll hear Luke and Steve talk about how much they would love to see a match between Brock Lesnar and Ricochet. Living in a world where that match happened, I laughed out loud. <laughs> yeah. I don't think that's quite what me and Steve had in mind. And like a proper one. We're talking a real one, like a good one. That's what we're talking about. A good match yeah. where Ricochet's allowed to do stuff. So there's was like, you should go back and listen to that episode. It's got the wild card rule, the two out of three falls matches. It's the first roar after Paul Heyman took over briefly. What a time. Blumenek, yeah. <laughs> and when we thought brighter days were ahead. Uh, right, well, let's get into the main AEW show itself because there's some sad news coming out of the main event that John Silver may have picked up a bit of an injury. Here is the show.
Johnny Hungy is Johnny Ouchy. I am Luke Owen. This is El Fakador Laurie Blake, your jam that champion, because it is sadly being reported that John Silver picked up an injury during his TNT Championship match with Darby Allen that main evented this episode of Dynamite. Welcome to the AEW Review Podcast stream. Uh, Laurie Blake is, of course, sitting in for Mr. Davis, who is preparing for our points versus hair match hair versus points match at this year's wrestle jamia on night one and night two i believe mean that of course baker will be having his title on the line against both uh adam no andy on night one and then adam on andy on night one adam on night two this is again another bloody con with this company Blame who else get who, who who other champion in in any wrestling thing defends their title on two consecutive nights? Not even the Rumble winner gets the the WWE Rumble winners don't both have a pop at the same person, do they? Why right. do our Jamble winners have a go at me? We had two Jambles to name two yeah, well, we need a, one contenders. We need a mid card title for Adam. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Um, anyway, let's talk about this main event. It was between Darby Allen and John Silver, a cracking main event over the TNT Championship. I really, really enjoyed this match. A lot of it, quite slow during the sort of ad break portion of it, but like when this match was cooking, it was cooking up a storm. And then like, well, we'll get into the match in just a second, but to kind of go through the news portion of this, after the match, Darby Allen cut a uh, promo for the crowd that was there and said like, you know, uh, that was a really, really great match. I don't know if, how many people could tell, but John Silver separated his shoulder during the match, which sounds like it absolutely sucks. Yeah. And Silver himself uh, confirmed this on Twitter saying like, yeah, it wasn't my night, didn't win the title. Also, the shoulder hurts. And um, he took like, he's got like a nasty bump on his head as well from where he landed on the concrete. So a rough old night for Mr. Silver. Mm. But we don't, there's been no news about how long he may be out for. Hopefully it's not going to be too long of an injury for him. Yeah, it's a shame because he feels like he's really building some good momentum. He's really getting over with the Johnny Hungy stuff. Like, if he's out for too long, it could kind of derail that. Because I feel like also the Dark Order got to have this kind of show-closing angle as well. It feels like they are being positioned as a very important faction in AEW at the moment. And I think, I mean, you can at least, uh, the benefit is they've got a lot of backups. <laughs> so they can at least yeah. have... If as long as Silver's not in hospital or like recuperating at home, he can at least appear on TV, hopefully in a sling or something, and then still be part yeah. of the main kind of thing. But yeah, I guess the kind of goofy roughhousing might have to stop for a little while. Yeah, it was it was kind of uh, disappointing for for old Johnny Hungy and like for the for the uh, the Dark Order as well because like Anna Jay's out with an injury currently, mm. so if you, like you lose Anna Jay and you lose John Silver as well, like that is a bit of a that's a two that's a twofer which you really didn't want to have. It was a lovely moment in this match actually where John Silver locked in uh, the Queen Slayer, which is Anna Jay's uh, finish. It was really good, and he had this sort of manic look in his eyes while he was doing it. It was really quite nice. Um, but yeah, like I, I kind of hope that it's nothing too serious for them. It was weird that like the Dark Order were brawling with Matt Hardy and and his lot. When I was like, didn't we just do this feud? Like, wasn't the whole point mm. of Hangman joining your forces because you lot were feuding? Um, so I don't know if like if I needed to see that continue. I'm not massively keen on the ending every episode of Dynamite with a big brawl. Oh yeah, I'm not. I I, I, I I'm love it, though, don't they? I, and I also like. I am also kind of reaching the point where I'm like, I think maybe they've got too many factions now. Like they, <laughs> it's very faction heavy, and mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know. It ju it just feels a little bit clunky 
And I, I get also like there's there's a great homage there, obviously, of having the show end. Sting watching the show end with a huge brawl, considering that's basically what his year, his <laughs> first year back at WCW was when he when he changed into Crow Sting. Like, um, but uh, yeah, I just kind of getting to the point where I I want to see a different sort of story being told in AEW, and it that's kind of it's you know it's not what I want necessarily. And it, especially when you're then doing it with the same kind of cast of characters again and again and again, like it, I don't think it seemed like the only thing they kind of snuck in there was new was that take on T was kind of running out with a dark order in that bit. And they were like, kind of going, well, okay, well maybe that's a, this is an avenue we might pursue. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I don't mind the faction stuff, to be honest. Like I, I was MJF. I didn't realize it until MJF did a promo about it, it was after he lost to Moxley for the title. Where he was like, I don't know if anyone's noticed around here, but like everyone's in a faction. And I was like, mm. oh yeah, everyone is sort of in a faction, aren't they? Like apart from Mox, who and like he's now sort of in a faction because he's now tagging with uh, Kingston, and like obviously MJF's gone to. I mean, it was at any of that point. I was like, oh yeah, there are a lot of factions in this company, but I don't mind it because I, I bloody love a faction, and uh, and the fact that like Matt Hardy's just adding people to his faction, I'm kind of like I'm quite into it. I just don't know whether I want you to see them. I've literally just seen them sort of feud with the Dark Order whether this is all just do it again or even let's continue on from what they're doing um as for the the match itself yeah i really really enjoyed this stuff like it, it told a story that like johnny hungy is a very powerful lad he is small but he is incredibly powerful he's like his, his arms are enormous hmm. he was bumping like darby allen was bumping like a madman to kind of put uh, johnny over and but like there was this kind of like sub story that was being told through this match, which was this the ticking timer, because you've got however long the match is or TV time remaining. So at the longer the match went on and the closer it got towards the end of the show, the more desperate Silver was starting to become with his moves. And and like and the fact, you know, Darby Allen kept kicking out of these moves just made John Silver feel even more desperate to win the title. And you've got Tony Schiavone on commentary screaming that the show's coming to an end. Like he is running out of time to get this. And it really clicked into me when he hits this move off the top and he rolls, um, he rolls Alan into the cover, but in doing so rolls him into the ropes to cry, cause the rope break. It was like a, it was a pure rookie error that, that silver made. It was just like mm -hmm. that one mistake that he made. And then when he went to do the Brody Lee uh, power bomb, uh, Darby Allen reversed that into the code red to get the win. Like I, I, I thought it was a tremendous match. Yeah, I think they they were they were a really good pairing because I think you've got that kind of it's one where it looks like Darby's not necessarily the underdog because of the size kind of difference that I think they've played up in quite a lot of his matches. He's always been against quite large quite large people. And then here you've got but there is just definitely a strength differential that they're playing off. And and Silver chucking Derby around was immense in this and then obviously like Darby did Darby's crazy dive that he did to the outside where Angels pushed Silver I think it was Angels pushed Silver out the way to take it and yeah. like yeah that it it kind of the recklessness and the strength worked really well together here because you just get to see, you know, 
John Silver is obviously really impressive when he picks up someone twice his size and does something crazy with them. But when you've got someone quite light like Darby Allen, who you can really go see ya with, then then you really <laughs> get to see like just how, especially if he's got a separated shoulder as well, and he's like oh, that yeah. that toss. It was like a tossing power bomb almost from the top, wasn't it? Like he just sort of flung him halfway across the ring, which one does not look like a, a joy to take. Thank you very much. It's a bit of sideways motion as well as the forwards. No, thank you, sir. How do you? sort of flat back that one but yeah but it just looked great like it looked like a really cool move and like you said i thought that kind of um the the desperation building into the end of it was really great um i wasn't really convinced by sting coming out i will say that yeah i I said that sting came out to kind of keep an eye on the dark order who weren't really cheating particularly no i I think it's like because like Alan, as you said, like there's a moment when Alan Angels takes the bump for John Silver because like Darby does this dive and then like uh, uh, Alan pull, pushes John Silver out of the way. And that's kind of when Sting comes out. And it really was just Sting to just be like, hey, now, steady. Calm down. Calm down, <laughs> as Sting does Let, in his voice. Less of that. Like you know down with this sounds. sort of thing. Stop <laughs> like, it, lads. Behave yourselves. I'm not having this, man. I'm not having this. <laughs> this will be a straight one-on-one match. That's what I'm having. I'll be no mocking about on my watch. That's what they said in WCW. No mocking about in front of the stinger. With his little flat cap coming out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. up, lads. Um, so, yeah, like, it, I, I kind of get what you mean. Particularly because it, it was, I know we had the promo with them last week, but I'm almost kind of ready for these two to kind of go their separate paths. Particularly because, like, Lance Archer is starting this feud with Sting. And I thought, yeah. oh, I don't need Darby involved in that. Like, and we've got Darby uh, splintering off into this Matt Hardy feud, which is what this the sort of ending brawl seems to be mm-hmm. setting up is that Hardy versus Allen is our next TNT title program. Um, so, yeah, I kind of see what you mean. Like, but there was, but you know what? It was way better than Sting coming out for a promo with Tony Schiavone and then getting interrupted by Team Taz or interrupted by hey, someone it was else. A, it was something so different. Like, yeah. It was so different that I was actually thrilled by it. <laughs> I think it, I think the problem. I think this is the problem though. It's just I think Sting being with Darby is just exposing that they don't necessarily know what to do with Sting. Like that, I don't mm. think they have. A, they don't have a. They have an idea, like, but it's not. They've not got there yet of like, if, if Lance Archer is going to go, if Lance Archer just destroys Sting or they have a, like they have a really good match, then that could be something really interesting to do. But having him just sort of come out and stand around, like they're treating him like this kind of powerful attraction, but you know, it's Sting is quite an old dude now and he looks a bit old on TV. And I think, you know, him coming out and standing in front of like five dudes in masks who are all pretty ripped with a baseball bat. I wouldn't be scared of that if I was one of those five dudes in a mask. Like, and I, I don't think he, yeah. he doesn't, he doesn't, it's almost like he doesn't necessarily have the presence anymore to kind of pull off the character in that particular way. I think there's a way to sell it and there's definitely with a bit of production behind it and like using him in the right kind of scenarios, but having him just stand at the back and not really be involved just makes me feel like they're just protecting him a little bit too much. I think it also says a lot about like, because you said that AEW sort of don't really know what they're kind of doing with Sting, which I, I I sort of agree with to a degree, because I think, you know, we are sort of pushing him down into this Archer thing. And I love that idea that you presented of just like Archer going out there, destroying him and like having a proper squash match against Sting. We're doing amazing things for Archer. But I, I do agree that I think it shows that AEW don't, haven't really decided what they're doing with Darby. 
Like mm. they like the plan was, you know, he's going to go on this run. Cody, him and Cody have had this like eighteen month thing that started at Fighter Fest back in twenty nineteen. It's like on Dynamite and stuff. We've had like they've both got wins. We had the amazing draw and stuff, and it's all been about like Cody's whole project for that eighteen month long feud was to put Darby over at the end, and they did that, and it were great. But then, as like Darby pointed out last week, he's only <clears> defended the title three times since then. And like the whole thing with Cody when he was the champions, he was like defending it on TV every week. So I, I kind of I, I kind of miss that from Darby. Like he was been in this sting feud with Team Taz, and he's defended the TNT title against uh, Brian Cage in a great match. But I'd like to see, yeah, I'd like to see a bit of direction for Darby. That that's kind of what mm. I'm getting. I want to see out of this. And I think you've got a ready-made story with Darby as well, where it's like it's this constant. Whereas Cody was kind of wielding the title as like a matter of pride to be like, I'm going to defend it every single week because that's how much I believe that the belt should be on TV and I want to be the hardest working guy. I don't think, I'm not saying that Derby shouldn't also fill that kind of role with it, but I think you've got this interesting idea of like, there's just this procession of huge dudes that are going to come after Derby Allen. Like the TNT title is literally the target on his back. Um, you know, and that can just bring in all these people that Derby can go on this kind of like almost miracle run against to keep mm. the belt. And then you build yeah. up to the person who's going to finally kind of actually pin Derby's shoulders to the mat for the for the right amount of time. But yeah, I think you could do something really interesting with that. But I don't think him and Sting just sort of not doing very much together is adding anything to either person's career currently. Just being a bunch of lads. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com 
slash host. Let's dive into your thoughts on this show. Thank you all so much for getting in touch. It is, of course, wrestletalk.com forward slash support. We will read out every single one of them that gets sent to us. Uh, Syrie has said, I just wanted to, I, I just wanted both Darby and John Silver to win. That match gave me anxiety with how much insanely Darby just went for it, killed himself again and again and again for Brody. Kudos to John Silver. He truly showed what he can do, even with the banged up shoulder. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, I, I loved the match. I thought it was so much mm. fun. I think I think John Silver was really on the rise now, and I just yeah, oh, yeah, I'm all for it. He's great. It was a, there was a thing that Meltzer said on Wrestling Observer Radio. It was last year or so. I think it was quite like early on in the pandemic when it was like if there were fans in the building, John Silver would be the most over person on Dynamites because that audience that's there for the live shows, the majority of those people, like probably a large portion of those, are going to be uh, being the elite followers. And they're going to be watching being the elite and he's getting so over through being the elite that they mm. like, they will be they'll react so massively for him and then that will transfer into like a general audience reaction to him but yeah i i think that he is getting some massive massive momentum at the moment uh myron speed said silver's counter into the queen slayer was great but i'm not i'm not liking darby with the title his matches really feel like they're telling the same underdog story of him scraping through by the skin of his teeth where's the layers to his character as a champ it's a very interesting point i was going to mention this earlier as well i remember when we had the brian cage match and someone said in a message being like i don't get darby and one of the reasons i don't get darby is because is he just a bit rubbish because all he gets like, he just gets beaten <laughs> up all the time and yeah. like it's like and that's that's the story that they always tell with him and it's kind of it's difficult to get invested in the stories where he's just being beaten up all the time because he'd never had the matches where he just wins like it's like, like all of Darby's matches kind of tell that so I, I kind of do see that criticism yeah and I think his you know I think the tale of his character him sort of scraping by through the skin of his teeth and taking more punishment than anyone else is is something they could invest more heavily in to make it a bit more of the story. Because at the moment, they're just kind of doing it because of what he looks like, I think. Whereas I think you could kind of do like, Darby Allen can take more punishment than you can throw out. Like he can take more, he will wear you, like it's the it's home of boxing, isn't it? It's let, let them punch themselves <laughs> out and then you just knock them over. Like that's that should be Darby Allen's gimmick, basically. Um, but yeah, he does. Angel. I think he. Yes, home, I'm an angel. But I think, yeah, I think you're right. He does need a couple more. He needs more defenses against like people who, yeah. who there's going to be a bit more of an even match with, and he needs like some squashes. I think in there as well. Like he needs to rinse a couple of people to to really establish himself as a totally. dominant champion. Yeah, that's exactly it. Like I think if you have him win matches and win them in sort of convincing manner, then the matches where he is against like Johnny Hungy or like Brian Cage is a great example of this, then those like proper underdog stories will mean so much more. Um, we'll just do a few more of your hyper chats. This is on the subject of Kenny and the Young Bucks. Sari says, Young Bucks and Moxley teaming up against Kenny and the Good Brothers. Yes, please. Even though that'll destroy me emotionally. You can see them building this long-term story brick by brick by brick. It's all in the details. Can't wait to get to that segment on the show. Uh, William Gossett says, This week's reach for the subtle connection between Paige and Omega. Hangman's new friends all display support and care for each other's uh, unasked. Whereas Omega is literally trying to bully the bucks to fall in line and the good brothers couldn't even be bothered to save him jam that jam 
And that's Nick a really Corbello interesting said, read. Oh, that's a really interesting thing. We were just talking, we were doing one of our Patreon uh, calls, which is actually the new perk now for the $100 back, because you get to have a video call with us. And um, there was a, a moment with um, Matt Jackson and Hangman Page on this week's staff uh, on Being the Elite, when Matt Hardy tells Nick Jackson, oh, it was me that sent you that message that said, I don't want to be friends with you anymore. And so Nick, like Matt Jackson's kind of heartbroken by this. He was going to go and like to Hangman Page and apologize to him. But he walks to the Dark Order's room and just sees them having fun. And he just sort of like goes like, ah, and just sort of closes the door on it mm -hmm. and walks away. Oh, heartbreaking stuff. And uh, Nick Corvello says, final Omega chat for this dream since I stayed up all night and need to stay. I literally lolled when Kenny was done yelling at the Young Bucks, turned into the Lucha Brothers superkick and pile driving him. Thank you guys at Rustle for all of your content. Thank you, Nick. And last one for the moment, Abortion Reborn says, Kenny resorting to emotional manipulation with the Bucks took his character to scary levels yeah. of psychotic. Oh, yes. Right. I mean, in which case, let us get into this show because I, I cannot wait to... And we actually get to talk about this kind of in the opening segment here. Because it's Thursday, and you know what that means. It's time for the AEW review. And we kick things off with Kenny Omega versus Matt Seidel, which started from AEW Elevation a few weeks ago. Which is, if Seidel pins Kenny in this match, he gets a future world title shot. And I loved the kind of... like. It was a stipulation that I was like, I'm pretty sure Kenny is winning this match. Like I'm, mm -hmm. I'm watching this guy, like pretty sure that he is. But the fact that Matt Seidel got so many like near falls on him did make me at one point go like, I think they may pin Kenny here. And like it mm. really added a whole extra level of drama to this. This really elevated Seidel in my uh, estimations. Like I, I really liked him in uh, Impact. And I just thought, like, he came to AEW and kind of got lost in the shuffle almost immediately. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, one botch shoot, start pressing, that's where you end up. Uh, but it, this really showed off what he could do. There was some blooming, there was just some blooming amazing transitions in some of these things. Like, there was this incredible full body slip and slide, tilt a whirl, head scissors transition he did, yeah, yeah. his moonsault with the half twist, like standing moonsault with the half twist. And that point where he did kind of, uh, he did a roll up from the one winged angel by bouncing off the ropes to flip himself around and then roll through with Kenny. Like he looked really, really top flight here. He looked, he looked yeah. absolutely incredible. And Kenny sold like a champ for him. Um, and obviously, yeah, like I, I was really on the edge of my seat for this match. It's like, what an opener. Yeah. Oh, it was so good. I loved the uh, the Poison Rana reversal. So like, oh, Kenny yeah. hits the V-trigger, gets him up for the one-winged angel, and immediately Seidel hits the Poison Rana. It was so good. And like, it, for Kenny, everything that happened this, after that point was just like, Matt Seidel gets, hits a reversal and gets another near fall. And so Kenny just hits a V-trigger, goes for the one-winged angel. Matt Seidel reverses that. Kenny gets back up. V-trigger. And H V-trigger felt so much more personal and so mm. much more like, why won't you stay down? Like it felt like it was a real like anger behind each one of them. Like that final V trigger that he hit for the and then the one winged angel was just brutal. It was so so great. I, I well, I, I think that yeah. Match. And there's that kind of brilliant moment in that V trigger at the end there as well because that that was the roll up from the one winged angel and it looked like a three. Yeah, like it was it was close enough of a kick out at like kind of at two that Seidel looked to the referee for a second to see if it was the three or not. And in that time, Kenny had rolled up 
and was running in to do the V trigger because he oh. he was just like it doesn't it was almost as if it didn't matter whether he'd kicked out or not it, he was already gonna he was gonna V trigger him anyway and I just think that was a brilliant bit of like the kind of storytelling of the match that Kenny's just ruthless and it doesn't it doesn't necessarily he's just gonna do anything it takes to win and even if it's a close even if he doesn't know he's necessarily kicked out in time he's just gonna carry on the onslaught to make sure yeah. he puts Seidel down and then Seidel yeah having to be like was that it no I can, oh my god here I go. Brilliant, brilliant the, stuff. Really, really cool. My other favourite favorite thing about this match was um, Don Callis go, joins on commentary and he's just like, what a, what a man Kenny Omega is giving this young upstart Matt Seidel a shot. And Jay, I just shouts him, Matt Seidel is older than Kenny Omega. <laughs> yeah. But the way he's being presented, he's much younger. <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, Callis was incredible on commentary, I thought. He's really funny. So great. Um, Marvez interviewed uh, John Silver and the Dark Order backstage. We got to see like a very nice uh, moment with him and Hangman Page, uh, and then Hangman Page very quickly beat Cesar Bononi with the Buckshot Lariat. Um, mm-hmm. It was a, just a, a nice little showcase for Hangman Page. I've said this on the AW streams before, but any time that Hangman Page has a wrestling match, I'm always having a fun time. Yeah, he's he's really really good, and like I love the fact that it's just this very slow build with him to where he needs to be. Like, I think we've obviously all talked about this quite at length, that Hangman's going to be the one to kick out the one-winged angel and win the championship, surely. But, Mm. like, the way we get there, oh, I'm so excited for it. Like, I cannot wait, because I just, this kind of meandering, wandering cowboy storyline that we get with him every single week is just, oh, it's perfection. It's so, so great. Uh, Lance Archer cut a really good <coughs> promo on Sting. Sorry, mate. Um, cut a promo on Sting, uh, saying sooner or later it's going to be showtime for him. We've got a lot of, a lot of promos on this show. Mm. Um, then we had um, Britt Baker out on the stage, um, who cut a promo on the women's division, Mick Foley, Tony Khan, and the crowd. Um, it was very, very funny, really. Like It was just like... Everyone sort of applauds and she's like, is that the welcoming I'm getting? This small, warm welcoming? I deserve so much more for this. You know, like Thunder Rosie, yeah, you may have won, but why is everyone talking about me? Um, you know, even though you say you're the one who put women on the map. And then she cut, took a promo on Mitt Foley by saying, like, it took you 20 years to become a hardcore legend. It took me one night. It was a really, really solid promo. I, I really enjoyed Baker in all of this. Yeah, I thought she her, her selling of it, the whole thing was brilliant. Like the 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 line through it as well of like I was the one who bled to make it, who bled to make that important. Like you know whether or not you won doesn't matter. It's it's a it's a brilliant bit of logic to be like I'm the one who took all the punishment that made that really like the thing that everyone talked about. Great stuff. I'm so curious to where they go next with Baker because they um like we get to the other women's segment later on in the show where they're kind of building this sort of like maybe a four person thing there because you had Nyla Rose and you had Tai Conte the Bunny um and Hikaru Shida. Baker's not a part of that, you know, that sort of like I wonder if they just like, you know, not taking Baker off the boil because that is not the thing to be doing here. It's kind of like when she got, you know, she had this amazing sort of start of the heel run, then she got injured, so they just kept her out of the side of the stage, always kept her on the boil there. It's finding a way to keep her relevant and keep her interesting until we get to double or nothing. Because I think that's when you want to do the Britt Baker versus Hikaru Shida mm. match for Baker to win the belt there. So I mean, I'd be interested to see what they're going to do in the interim between now and when we get to double or nothing in two months' time. I think, well, yeah, I guess it depends on what they're doing with Rosa is the other thing. Like if Rosa's yeah. going to go back to NWA where she's contracted, like... If they can keep hold of Thunder Rosa, I think they can do a pretty heated feud with Baker for the next like month, 
and then yeah. they can start to build double or nothing uh, with Baker. Because yeah, it's got to it's got to be one of those two. It's got to be Rosa or Baker to topple Sheeda for me. Like, I think yeah. anything else is is actually now kind of wasteful. Like, I, I like all the, I like the other women in the division. I thought Tay Conti uh, looked incredible in her match like last mm. night. But yeah, I just think Rosa and Baker are the stars of the show currently. I think you could easily do actually Rosa Baker three because you had the match at Beach Break, which Baker, uh, which which Baker won. Then you had the unsanctioned match, which Rosa won, which does sort of tie them up one to one, even though technically one of them doesn't count. So you could do the rubber match and find like another gimmick to put around that. Um, I kind of wish the, the the rubber match was the unsanctioned one to kind of like finish this off because now you've got to try and find a way to go further beyond the, the mm. unsanctioned bloody brawl that they had. Yeah, no, that, that's that's a really interesting point. I, 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 but maybe then stripping it back to kind of being quite traditional could be quite interesting. Like a two out of three falls or something could be quite an interesting mm. stipulation for them to do. But uh, yeah, more of that, please. More of that's that, how you build a women's division. Come on. <laughs> it's taking you too oh. long to get here. Oh, absolutely. Uh, we had Dasha interviewing Christian Cage backstage, who was imparting some of her tag team knowledge onto Dante Martin and um, uh, Varsity Blondes because they had a mm-hmm. six-man tag coming up. And then Frankie Gazarian walks up and was like, hello, old friend, you know, you, you're too big to speak to me. And I just got flashbacks to my TNA Mark days when I was like, 04 to 08 TNA was like the best wrestling on the planet. And like Frankie Gazarian was one of my faves and I love Christian Cage in there. And like you know flashback to, to genesis 07 and the ladder match that they had there or was mega drivers it was called here in the uk and i was like so I, I will say i stole that joke from someone like it was in the my news today someone left a comment saying like come on Luke, you know it was called tna mega drive and i was like that's such a good joke i need to steal that <laughs> um and yeah and it was so we're getting uh, Christian Cage's in-ring debut next week against Frankie Kazarian. And they actually teased that uh, Christian might show up on Elevation next Monday because Frankie mm. Kazarian's having a match there. So, yeah, I, I think having Frankie Kazarian be uh, Christian's first match in AEW is a really, really smart move. Two men that know each other very well. And, you know, Christian's been out of the ring for seven years. I think this is a very, very smart move. Yeah, like a really good pairing. I loved Kazarian's... Uh promo here like i loved the bit where he was like great t-shirt great <laughs> great catchphrase just yeah. wondering when does it work start when does it start yeah yeah really really good uh, and i hope you're not got... turning into cranky frankie that's gonna catch <laughs> off <laughs> cranky frankie oh man yeah like it feels like we're on like christian one of the great things about christian cage is that he's very chris jericho in a way where he's just like i've got like 25 catchphrases that i've just had in the back in my back pocket and i'm just waiting to bust some of these out and when he got there he was basically looking like okay nicknames for everyone cranky frankie i'm gonna run with that one for this week um we got a six-man tag of dante martin and the varsity blondes taking on the pinnacle Like this is the in-ring debut for MJF's faction, and I I loved it. I absolutely adore this faction. Them coming out, they've got this wicked video thing that plays, and it shows them being like these awesome like dudes in their suits and everything. It's got proper four horsemen feelings about it, and I, I I dig it. Really, really dig it. And it was just, it was really, really great. Like, you know, Dante Martin got the hot tag, like they were beating them up. Dante Martin gets the hot tag. Then they were basically just shut him down very quickly and Spears hit the C4 for the win. It mm. made the pinnacle look rad. 
I mean, all my notes are about Dante Martin's hot tag. Oh it yeah, was, it's it so was. Great. Oh my god, it just went on as well. Like he just like obviously, like in a normal tag match, in a, in a two in a four man tag match, you get like a little bit of this hot tag thing. I think having the trios bit of it just was like, well, I'm just going to extend this by five more minutes. This hot tag, fine. <laughs> more flips, more things. It was. Oh, he looked he looked incredible in this. Mm. Uh, and then yeah, when it was Dax, wasn't he, who just cut him off in the middle of it with this just like, oh, got your brain buster. Yeah. <laughs> what a way to end uh, a kind of hot tag. It it was yeah, I thought this was a really good showing for both teams, really, but I think especially Dante Martin came out of this yeah. looking oh like gold. Um yeah, him I like that I, I like the pinnacle. I think they look really good together. Like they're a really cool team. Yeah, Dante and his brother Darius as top flights are a team with so much upside. Like, I cannot wait to see. Like, because like they're they're twenty and nineteen. Like, they are mm. pups. Like, so tiny children. And yeah, I, I think they've got the future is very very bright for them. Uh, and they FCR cut a promo afterwards on Santana Ortiz. Where obviously we're going to be getting this inner circle feud, and we seem to be setting up here. Um, you know, uh, FTR versus Santana and Ortiz in all of this. And they cut a really strong promo on them. And I love the fact they said the inner circle were a joke, but it's not SNL. This isn't some comedy skit. The marquee says professional wrestling. All the while Dax is getting redder and redder as this went on as well. He was just like, I I, I don't know whether he was doing it on purpose, whether he was attempting to go red or not, whether he was just a bit like tuckered out from having done a quite a good wrestling match. But yeah, he the kind of increasing intensity of the red colour spreading across his face really added to the kind of vigour of this promo. Oh man, it was so, so great. And like, um, yeah, I love the fact as well because Cash Wheeler takes the mic off of Tony Schiavone when he's cutting his promo. But then when it comes time to Dax Howard, Dax grabs it, hands it back to Tony, he's like, hold this. So I can, I'm not holding the microphone. Um, and then MJF um, challenged uh, the Inner Circle to come out, just like knowing that they can't, like the big dick that he is. And it was interesting. He said like next week they're going to get some gold. So like I, I don't know what that means because it's not going to be tag team gold because we know mm. that's a death triangle and the, the Young Bucks program. Whether he means the TNT Championship, I'm not really sure what he, he meant by this, but I'm very curious to know what he means by it. Mm, I really liked the end as well where like, Tony tried to interject over MJF saying like, you know, if, if the inner circle, if you're anything but cowards, you'd come out like now. And, he, and Tony tries to point out the fact that like, you know, full well that you beat them down so bad that they can't be here. And then Wardlow just looms over his shoulder yeah. and he's like, oh yeah, okay, fine, whatever. Yeah, we'll just, we'll move on with this. Yeah. The, when you're at the pinnacle, you're always on top. I love it. Got a catchphrase. <laughs> Um, hey, do you like promos? Got a couple more of them. Team Taz uh, said that there was no issues within the group, although Brian Cage was rolling his eyes throughout all of this. Um, so it looks like he like he was even like, Brian Cage even apologized for what he said about Sting's, uh, the Sting's Nikon. And he apologized to Ricky Starks. And Brian's sort of like rolling his eyes as if he didn't actually. But when it came to all said and done, and he said like, right, Cage, he did his whole throat slit and said, who better? So he is... Still on Team Taz's side, but mm. it doesn't seem to be the uh, the nicest of waters currently. Starks didn't seem that convinced either. Starks, there was a sarcasm to Starks's. Yeah, yeah, all fine. Like you know, interesting yeah. stuff. We then got a promo from QT Marshall, um, who it was. A, it was so. This was a good promo. Like I, I enjoyed this. I'm not massively into the QT Marshall character, and. Uh, I think that that might be on me more than it is anything else, but I've, I wasn't massively invested in it. Like I wasn't really into the whole thing that he was doing with Ali last year. 
because I felt like it, they just thought that was a very muddied thing. Although I did enjoy the bunkhouse match that they had to kind of finish that all off. But he talks about, you know, like he is Cody's friend and like he wants to prove that he's more than just being Cody's friend and that he wants to have an exhibition match with Cody next week to prove this. And Cody comes out. I like the touch of him taking off the headset because he's also running the show and said that, you know, Arn Anderson will be the referee next week. And it was it was a good stuff. There is a, my I mean, my minor quibble in all of this. Um, is that he did say like as my wife up there i've like she's she's the best person in the world i've known her since i was eight years old and like i was thinking mate your whole storyline last year was that you were like in a relationship with ali like like Mm. where's the consistency guys well those are the stakes luke these are the stakes for the match you know like it's it's about infidelity overall this story Mm. but no i yeah i i thought this was a really good promo i'm not that fussed I think I'm I'm on the sort of same bandwidth here as like I'm not massively bothered about QT Marshall taking on Cody. Like it it there's not enough to it for me to, you know, kind of being like, I don't want to be in your shadow. Like he tried to kind of make it out that, you know, he he's there to he's doing all the work while Cody's kind of slacking off and he's like making sure his coffees are warm, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I'd like to see a bit more of that for my for like I'd like to see a bit more of that, or I'd like to kind of see him turn mm. uh, like you know this is either he's lying or this is actually happening and cody is slacking off and cutie marshall is doing all the work so like who's what in this scenario yeah you get, the kind of sense, you get the sense that cutie marshall is lying because cody comes out wearing a headset and that's kind of what they're telling you is like cody's quite a busy man he's got a lot of work on he's doing a reality show now with with brandy Rhodes. like so Let's get to the point where we can find, like, I want to see what happens with QT Marshall from the match next week because it kind of feels a bit muddled at the moment. Yeah, I'm hoping that that match next week is the thing that's going to, like, ignite my interest, I suppose. Like, I mean, if it mm. doesn't, then, you know, that, that that's a, bit, a different matter. But I'm hoping that that is what gets me into this feud. Um, you know, because I like Cody and everything. You know, I'm a big, big fan of Cody. I, I, I could do with him have, adding so much Gaga into his matches because when he was like, and Arn Anderson's the special guest referee. And I'm like, you just can't help yourself, Cody, can you? You just can't <laughs> help yourself, man. Rain it in. Rain it in, mate. Rain it in. <laughs> Not everything has to be constant invention. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of invention... Bloody hell, this next match, this six-man tag of the Lucha Brothers and Laredo Kid versus the Young Bucks and Brandon Cutler. Holy heckins. Right, so like Lucha Brothers and Laredo Kid, we haven't seen them actually teaming together in AEW since Fighter Fest in 2019. We actually haven't seen Laredo Kid. Like, so like that was the last time he was around for his brief spell. And then I, I love the Young Bucks, big fan of Brandon Cutler. And this match was just all action and all character and it all ruled. Loved this match. Um, yeah, I mean, for a, just for a casual Wednesday night match, this was leaving very little on the table. <laughs> yeah. And also, I love the fact that this felt like a proper trios match where, like, there was some really good triple synergy between both teams. Like, there was some great... There was, like, both teams took a turn, like, mid-match to have just their kind of... These are all the triples moves that we've worked out. And they just mm-hmm. all kind of did this kind of constant tagging in. It felt... It, it was obviously, like... Jim Cornette's going to hate it, but it, it, it was like, it was wonderfully choreographed and oh, like yeah. really lovely stuff. And yeah, I just, I can't believe that just on a weekly basis, the young bucks just go out there and just like, eh, sent on off the top onto the outside, whatever. Like, you know, how are they not yeah. more injured 
how like oh, no, these guys no, no. all of these guys to be to be perfectly honest like how are they not more injured more regularly than they are because like the stuff that they're just doing for just a t like a tv match is in, in wwe they'd be like whoa rain that in by about 55 moves thank you just yeah if you if you don't mind <laughs> choose five thank you choose five and we'll move on from that like yeah it just it yeah. is just insane that the kind of the work rate of of these this specific specific like five guys in this match specifically but um yeah like really really good stuff the the other thing that i found really interesting about this match is something that i feel like has flown slightly under the radar at least like i've not seen many people talking about this maybe i've completely missed it maybe the chat can tell me but they announced a house show in this match like they announced that like you can buy tickets for a non-televised event that's going to be happening on this date like that is that's a house show and that's something mm. that AEW said they're always going to be working towards is doing house shows. But this is like the announcement of it. I don't know if they have done like non-televised events. I mean, they do so many events because there's like, you know, they've got five TV shows or whatever it is, all, all named Dark. Yeah. And, and they've all got a hundred matches each on them. But like this year, it was quite interesting to have a, a house show announced, what they call a non-televised event. So yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm curious by this, whether this is something that's going to like continue on. It, it, while we're sort of like in this pandemic phase of, of wrestling and whether that's going to continue on once uh, once everything's back to normal yeah no that that I, that kind of i missed that completely uh during this so that's i think that's really interesting to know whether they like if they're going to do it maybe they're just doing it as kind of a trial for having a larger number of um people in the arena yeah. Maybe that's kind of what they they don't want to televise it because they don't really want to flag up how many people that I don't know. Who knows really at this stage whether oh, it's going to be? Yeah. I was going to say with social media that like the number would get out anyway because like someone will take yeah. a photo and be like, look at all these bricks just like who are just all like standing next to each other. I think as well someone's saying that it's um like it, it's over uh, WrestleMania weekend as well like it's on April 9th. So that's oh. also interesting because, like, you know, they're in Jacksonville, Florida, where Raymond James Stadium is. So like, maybe it is I, I don't know. Like, is that is that counter programming in a way, or just something to like say, hey, it's that, that's it's bizarre that it's WrestleMania weekend. Not not in a way because like that's what a lot of people do is they do a lot of like you know house shows and stuff. That's what WrestleMania weekend's all about is all of these different shows. Despite the fact that WWE loves to try and shut them all down, it's the whole thing about like a, a wrestling city. So yeah, it's very interesting that it's over Mania weekend because it's something that EW said they wouldn't do. Well, maybe that's why it's not televised. Maybe it's because they want they wanted to do a show because that's you know that's a really it's a great season to do any kind of wrestling show in the city that WrestleMania is happening. Um, but they didn't want to be blamed for counter programming by yeah. not having it's, it televised. Yeah, so I don't I know, it's, it's kind of, yeah. Because it's, it's, it's on, uh, someone's just corrected me there. It's on the Friday. So it's the day before Mania. So it's not directly counter-programming. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. I, I, I still think it's interesting nonetheless. Mm, I also like the Young Bucks doing a little homage to Motor City Machine Guns during this oh, match. Oh, I love it. Let's have that match, please. Yes, Let's have that match, please. Come on, bring them back. Um, and at the, the end of this, so it looked like the Bucks had this one because they were hitting their big moves onto Penta and Phoenix to kind of take them out, leaving poor Brandon Cutler in the ring, who then got hit with a Spanish fly by Laredo Kid uh, to get the win. And then in once the, the dust on that has settled, here comes Kenny Omega. Wild, crazed Kenny, excuse me, Kenny Omega, who comes down and he just starts beating up Laredo Kid. And you're like, why is he attacking Laredo Kid? And he explains on the microphone by being like, I'm having flashbacks. I'm having flashbacks to Fighter Fest when, you know, these three were teaming up together and they were facing, oh yeah, us, you two and me. 
And now that doesn't seem like we're a friendship anymore. And he's talking about like, you know, I had offers to go to various places. I could have gone to the greener pastures of New York. I could have done that, but I chose to do this, not for AEW, but for you two. I chose Matt and Nick Jackson, but Matt and Nick Jackson never choose Kenny Omega. And it was just, it's like, what did you choose? You chose Brandon Cutler, like to carry your bags. And I get this full of all of this stuff. And then he just twists it around because that's quite like a baby face thing to be doing. But then he just twists it up by saying like, I'm giving you one last chance to throw this up and like, you know, and do this with me to do the two sweet with me. And that is it. And it was just like, as someone, you know, said in the old chats there, it was manipulating, it was emotionally manipulating the young bucks to fall in line. It was mm. a really, for what, as I said, like could have been good baby face content. He made this such a heelish thing. Yeah, it was absolutely just digging his hooks into the, the family vibes. Like he pointed out, I can't remember which one of the Bucks' families was at ringside, but he was like saying, you know, it's all about family. And I thought we were a family. It was like 12 years of friendship to get here. And then it it is that kind of next escalation for Kenny Omega to, to really, you know, now now he's losing friends it's how does he how does he keep them on the hook how does he kind of mm-hmm. uh try to keep them in his wheelhouse and obviously like i thought this was kind of it, it was interesting to see him go to that level because it clearly seemed to be the the final straw for the bucks as they mm-hmm. didn't throw up the two sweet and they left the ring leaving kenny to be beaten up by uh <laughs> penta <laughs> phoenix and laredo kid Oh yeah, and they probably beat him up as well. Like turned around into some wonderful super kicks from them, and then the uh, the assisted package pile driver, and that sets up a six man for next week, which is Kenny and the Good Brothers versus Lucha Bros and Laredo Kid, uh, mm. which I am so so excited, oh. so so excited for. Um, just on lastly on this uh, the, this whole um, non televised thing, uh, Noren Rad said like Florida's a big place, Luke. Over a three hour drive between Tampa and Jacksonville. When New Japan announced they were doing um, their London show, WWE counter-programmed them by doing uh, the NXT UK TakeOver show in Wales. That's about a three-hour drive away. Like it, 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 we, we get the same thing here sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> and it didn't work out well for them. Um, they generally thought that was like, oh, no one, will buy, no one will buy tickets for that. They'll buy tickets for us. Mm, yeah, it sold out pretty well. Um, we've got a nice promo video for Jade Cargill cutting a promo on Red Velvet. Then we got the promo that Brody, sorry, Brody, Cody and Brandy are getting a reality TV show that's called Road to the Top. I won't be watching it. Are you, are you going to watch it? No? No. <laughs> what? No. Yeah, I didn't think so. Um, and then we've got a fabulous promo from Eddie Kingston and John Moxley, as per usual, um, talking about like, if you're in the game, you better be willing to get your hands dirty. Cut this promo on the, the Bullet Club. And, and I, I just, I love these two together. It, they're just so natural together. It's it's so cool. Yeah, it felt very, it felt very like unscripted and casual. And it was like, even, even the serious nature of it, like the fact that they were quite obviously having fun kind of delivering it. And like, he's going, no, something's broken in there, something's broken in there. And then to switch that on its head and like be joking about an injury. Ha 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 ha. Yeah. But if you take one of us out, we'll put one of you in the morgue. So, you know. Yeah. Like there's, there's that kind of unhingedness there that you're like, okay, well, that's a real. There's a, there's a there's a serious danger with Moxley and Kingston now. You know you've really you've really done messed up. Uh, and then we got Nyla Rose versus Ty Conti, which is a rematch from the women's tag title tournament eliminator. Um, I'll, I'll be honest with you, like walking out into this match, I was like, cool. Well, this is a match for Nyla Rose to win. 
And then Ty Conti mm. just surprised me beater. And like, yeah, I mean, as I said this in my review, Ty Conti's ranked number one in the, the women's division. Like last week, Red Velvet was ranked number one in the women's division. And I guess like it all happens on Dark, which is going to happen because Dark has like 200 matches a week. So like, it's quite easy for you to get up the rankings, I guess. But, like Ty Conti comes out and she's it's like, oh, she's the ranked number one in the women's division. And I'm like, how? How mm. on earth is she ranked number one? And I had the same reaction last week when I was like, oh yeah, Red Velvet's the number one. And they it just I'm not sure. I'm like, I don't think the ranking system is fully working in the women's division currently. And maybe it's just because all of the women's matches happen on dark that it's not translating through to dynamite. And it's so like me as who only watches dynamite, a lot of it doesn't really make sense. Now you could put the blame on to me for not watching dark, but a portion of your audience watches dark and you've got mm. the numbers and the statistics to back that up. So surely if you're doing so much of this work on dark, you then need to use dynamite, which has got the majority of your audience to explain all of this and show why she is the ranked number one, right? Like I'm not mad in this, am I? No, I think a recap would have really helped here. Like a couple of like, here's some wins back to back. But I think the point with the, the point with the rankings and the point with that, that whole measurement and statistics and tracking is so that you can book matches like this using the rankings as the excuse. They don't necessarily like, you know, but in, I think in the men's division, you get a much kind of better scent. You get a better mix of all that stuff falling together because you'll have such and such a person is ranked number one, but they're not necessarily getting a title shot because the champion's actually in a feud with this guy over something different. And there's yeah. that kind of maneuvering that goes on but because they're not telling enough women's stories on Dynamite. If you fall yeah. back on the rankings to book your matches back-to-back -back weeks, it does expose the flaw in the in the rankings which is that they're made up like to to some degree <laughs> like you know it just made it's, up it's it's the, it's similar to yeah it's similar to you know goldberg coming out with 20 more wins next week because of his streak yeah. is continuing he's apparently had 20 more matches that's that's exactly what is happening on dark i guess but yeah it just it it's a narrative crutch to to kind of book matches but if you're just going to do it every week then it does make it seem a bit pointless because yeah it would feel like one loss to Jade Cargill shouldn't make Red Velvet fall that far down the rankings, you know? Like Yeah, but also like it was it was bizarre as well because Red Velvet was ranked number one after the Jade Cargill match. Oh, but yeah, also fine, like yeah. like for, for like for Red Velvet, for me as a dynamite viewer, Red Velvet's had like one match on TV and she lost it. So that it's it's and it's the same with Ty Conti here. Like the last time I saw Ty Conti on having a match, I don't think she won that one either. So it's just very bizarre then for her to come out of this match and be like, and she's now ranked number one. There is there's it's a very easy thing to do and to kind of like tell that story. I just, I don't think they often do it well. Well, look, I mean, <laughs> AEW's not had a, had a wonderful job of uh, telling the story with the women, have they? Where like, look at doing the the kind of the tournament for the title and all of that exists on YouTube where no one's watching it necessarily. <laughs> like all of this, like the, these things are all really, and these things are really good as well. Like, you know, I don't know why that wasn't on TV more because it was really good. <laughs> So it, well, it just I doesn't mean, make yeah. sense. And then, then, you, then you've got someone like, yeah, Ty Conti comes out and has this match with Nyla Rose where you're like, oh, well, I think Nyla Rose is going to win this. And then, Ty, and then Ty looks bloody awesome in yeah. this match. And everyone's going, oh, WWE weren't using her properly. It's like, I don't think AEW necessarily used her properly before this. Like, this is the first time I've really seen the full extent of her talents. Yeah. And, and now I'm quite invested. 
Yeah, this match was great as well. It was really, yeah. really good. And like, yeah, she had a really nice hammerlock DDT to finish this off, which is a really cool move. And she looked great in the victory as well. So like, it, it totally took me by surprise, really did take me by surprise. And they were putting her over so hard on commentary as well, like doing a real good job to build her up. Mm. And actually this win here has made her now feel like more legit and more like a, a challenger, a title contender. Because you then had like Nyla Rose attacked her after the match, which I'm not massively keen on. And then Sheeta comes down to make the save and then all of a sudden the bunny shows up and the bunny attacks like um shida and attacks conti with the kendo stick and all of a sudden i'm like oh this is actually getting really good now because these are some new faces mm -hmm. in the the women's title picture we haven't seen conti in that position we've seen like shida nyla rose I'm, i've seen that a thousand times now but i haven't seen conti versus shida i haven't seen the bunny get into this mix either so now like i'm i'm really excited for the tag match next week of shida and conti versus uh the rosen uh, nyla rose and the bunny because i I'm, I'm kind of intrigued to see like what moving parts we're going to get to give shida maybe this little mini feud until we can get to the Britt baker match at least and, you know what we presume will be the Britt baker match yeah i think that i think this is this is good work here but yeah it's just that thing of like it it felt like a sudden lurch into like 60 miles an hour because they haven't told the story on on the tv show that everyone watches um but yeah i thought this this made uh ty look really good i really like nyla yeah. rose i thought there was great work between the two of them here i think ty's knee strikes are awesome the judo mm -hmm. throws are really really cool um and then yeah that kind of brawl at the end of it and and matt hardy looming over the top of it which all came back round at the end as well like there's some interesting stuff going on here um, but yeah, it does feel like it's going to be about a month's worth of here's these four people and then three of them are back off the dark because we'll have well, yeah. Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa potentially. I mean, I'm excited to see where we get from that. And next week... I'm excited to see who's number one Who's number one ranked next week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, who else could it be? Um, it'll probably be... Who's the other one who does like the mixing thing? Maybe that is Red Velvet. Anyway, it'll be someone that I've never heard of. Um, Anyway, next week as well, we're getting the Arcade Anarchy match between best friends Amiro and Sabian. Pretty sure this is going to be the end of the feud. I think it's going to be wacky, silly fun, and I'm kind of in for it. And to round us off, uh, Scorpio Sky got a video package saying he's underrated, which is also good. But yeah, this Arcade Anarchy match, I think is going to be bonkers nonsense, and I'm kind of in for it. The feud should be over already. It should have been over yeah, for a is... while. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm I'm fine. Like, I'm fine to see what it's going to be. I'm hoping it's more on the stadium stampede end of the kind of goofy match spectrum and not the uh, Matt Hardy compound kind of end of the spectrum. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what, that's what I'm hoping. I mean, yeah, not the um, warehouse brawl with Sting at Revolution. That None of that stuff. I, I, yeah, I want this I, to be a stadium. This needs to be full goofy and like really, really funny and silly. And I think Miro's got the chops to pull it off. Um, I 100 especially with casting very yeah. silly match yeah this is gonna be a very silly match i'm hoping this will be like you know not so much just the breakup of the team i just want i'm looking forward to seeing miro as the single star overall um i i mean as i said in the show like aew's base level of television is that's a really great two hours of yeah. tv so from that stand like it was a completely fine three out of five show and i just and i really enjoy watching on a week-to-week -week basis because i just know i'm going to get an, an average show like a base level average show is a really really great show so yeah so i i, liked, I gave it three out of five on, on the review what about you 
I think three out of five is is like right to going up to four, maybe at a push. But I don't think I think there was a couple of like really transcendent moments in this where you know Kenny Omega and the Bucks and uh, the Bucks's match with uh, Penta and that lot, like that was just fifteen minutes of pure wrestling magic. That's yeah. why you watch something like this, and and then the rest of it like had some really good stuff in it. I think John Silver and Darby Allen absolutely crushed it. Um, but yeah, it. I like it when it kind of evolves and there's that, you know, that moment of progress that you feel. And I felt like the Kenny Omega emotional manipulation side of things was really, really good. His match, obviously, at the beginning was really great as well. So, yeah, yeah. good, good show. Good, good show. And I think I'm out of step with the, the the chat as well, because four out of five was the Patreon, uh, Patreon, the YouTube poll that we put up 55% as well, uh, voting for it to be a four out of five show, 19% saying it was three out of five and 18% saying it was five out of five. So yeah, people really, really enjoyed that show. And I think that was certainly helped by the fact that the in-ring action was magnificent. Mm-hmm. Let's get into the rest of your hyper chats. If you want to get in touch, it is wrestletalk.com forward slash support. We will read every single one of them out. Sarah Sullivan has said, from my brief time of watching AEW, going through the Road 2 series to catch up on old storylines, I've got to say, the Young Bucks are very unlikable, very talented, but super annoying, especially Matt's tough guy personality. They should be heels. I don't, I think, I don't, I don't find them annoying. Uh, I think they I think they probably are better as annoying heels though like from mm. having seen them as over the years as like generation me and stuff I think they they play the heel brilliantly uh, they're really really good Sarah has also added Kenny lying alone in the ring with no one around him after the Lucha Brothers planted him while Callus did nothing was great. Um, just uh, just to show how many real friends Omega really has uh, now. Great show. Ty is awesome. Hangman is so hot right now. Yeah, like, you know, as a other chat we had, buddy, uh, the Good Brothers took forever and a day to come out. And they just sort of like just meandered out as well to make the save just to hold him yeah. up and stuff. I like the fact that Kenny was bleeding from the mouth as well at the end of that. And it was like, yeah, it really did show that kind of how um, extreme that kind of beatdown he'd been left to kind of take was. Too big for his britches though, isn't he? That's the problem. LS said, fun fact, last night was the first time in AEW history that the Bucks have teamed as a trio without someone who was not Kenny. That's interesting. And he also adds, or they also add, the Bucks have been trying to have a private conversation with Kenny for months. And all he's done is pressure them with public demands for loyalty. It's manipulative. It doesn't show that he wants their friendship. He just wants them to fall in line. Love all of this. Mm, It's only for show. Oh, so much for show. Matthew Robinson said, wow, the Young Bucks and the Lucha Brothers reminding us how great they work with each other. And now another trios match with Kenny and the Good Brothers. Glad to see Penta back. Uh, Why not have Pac in the trio match? I think it's just because it was for the storyline purposes to the callback to Fighter Fest. So that you could have that. So Kenny could come out and be like, the last time we were in the ring, it was us as a trios team. I think that's why we had Laredo Kid there instead of Pac. I don't know if Pac's actually back in the UK now. Or, or what is going on but it, it kind of like it sort of made sense from that storyline perspective i guess in a way but also yeah like you say from a technical standpoint why wasn't it pack as death triangle yeah i'm not i'm not bothered though i think the radio kid's brilliant 
Yeah, interesting though. It was supposed to be Pack at Fighter Fest. It was supposed to be Pack and the Lucha Brothers versus um, Kenny and uh, the Young Bucks, and then uh, Laredo Kid was the last minute replacement because <clears throat> Pack couldn't make it over. So yeah, uh, do you want to take over our hot tag to you? Certainly does. Uh, hang on, we're getting we're getting an update as we speak. Uh, Pack is injured. Chat. Oh, Pack is injured. Is he really? I mean, cause they, I didn't know that because they announced on um, the show that they're having a match in a couple of weeks for the tag titles. So I didn't I didn't know he was injured. I've missed that. Mm. Uh, Anthony Velasquez says uh, Ty Conti has improved the ring so much how did WWE let her slip through their fingers she can be a big player in the AEW women's division for a while if she keeps it up I think that's yeah I I mean how how did WWE let someone slip through their fingers is like asking how does sieves let water through it's because they weren't holding it properly like it's you know WWE actively I think Ty was someone in WWE in NXT specifically that kind of fell into that same trap as like Zia Lee who uh-huh. they liked enough to put on TV every week, but didn't really want to do anything with. So they would just get wins and losses. It didn't really matter. And then obviously Zia Lee's kind of found this storyline now, and that's kind of transformed her character. But Ty obviously didn't get there before uh, WWE had to do a round of layoffs, essentially, or yeah. she wanted to leave whichever one came first, which is their big thing. Uh, Nick Covelli says, love the bunny coming out to help Nyla Rose against Shida and Conti, and marked out even more when Matt Hardy cut his promo to challenge for the women's title on Bunny's behalf. Looking forward to the match and her and Butcher and Blade playing mind games with Shida. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really looking forward to that match. Yeah, I think it's going to be really co- I think it's going to be really interesting. Uh, Nick Covello said, to add to my last Omega chat, I love the women's tag team match that's set up next week. And I demand to see a Being the Elite segment where Order and Ty think, thank Shida for saving her. And Negative One asks Shida to train him in the art of the kendo stick and become his sensei. That's very cute. That would be very cute. Oh, look, someone's woken up. Oh, Terry's up. Here he is. <laughs> Terry's up. Well, let's get through these before he, start. he goes completely blue. Come on. <laughs> Uh, Sawyer says, show highlights for me. We're seeing Ty Conte shine and get a win. And the news that the bunny is finally going to have an in-ring program. Love me some Ali. Worth checking out Meltzer putting over Conte and how much of an indictment she is of all the WWE PC. Yeah, I haven't actually listened to Wrestling Observer Radio, so that'd be an interesting one to, to listen to. Uh, I'll do this next one while you, uh, if you need to. Yeah, to I'm going to try and find him. Yeah. Uh, Matthew Robinson says, I love this episode for all the women's segments. I really like how they're positioning all the different feuds with Conti beating Nyla and now the bunny is added to it. Love it. Looks like they're building many storylines. What do you guys think? I completely agree. Are we getting uh, Terry on the stream? Uh, I think the, Terry the is, yeah, he's here. There he is. He's just showed up. The chat demands it. The chat demands it. Here he is, El Catador. Say hi, Terry. Oh, what a lovely old cat. Not bothered. You're just meowing, but you're half asleep. It's weird. (laughs) You're a strange guy, Terry. Uh, Sari says two trios matches that could have been uh, couldn't have been more different from each other. Variety, that's where the magic is. Sean Spears fits perfectly with FTR, and lastly, Matt Seidel. I knew he was good, but consider me surprised. That was a great match with Kenny. Uh, Nick Covella says an amazing episode of Dynamite. Multiple simultaneous feuds going on. Matt Hardy's faction is feuding not only with Dark Order and Hangman, but now also Darby Allen, Sting, and Hikaru Shida. Kenny feuding with the Lucha Brothers now too. Pandemonium. Absolutely. I think it works really well for the Matt yeah. Hardy brand to have like so many fingers in so many pies. It feels like a big corporate takeover. It's great. Austin Falco, after Hangman won, it seemed like the beer he had was in celebration, whereas last year he was drinking to cope with leaving the ring and going back to his anxiety loneliness. It's such a subtle thing, but one of the reasons I love AEW and Paige's character. 
Christopher Jazzcat, Terry the Cat to AEW confirms. I enjoyed this week's uh, AEW. The stuff with Kenny and the Bucks was a heel having a point in the worst, best possible way. Seeing the Bucks versus Lucha Brothers again was awesome. Ty Conti is still green, but has huge upside. That's the key to it, though, isn't it? It's like, yeah, she is. Same with like Anna Jay and, you know, like Jay Cargill and, and Red Velvet. You've got very young talent. Ty Conti is 25 years old, mm-hmm. but is there's raw talent that's there. And it's about sort of like exposing the, um, it's accentuating the positives of that talent. So yeah, I, I think they're doing a, a wonderful job with that. Um, I'll let you take back over now that uh, Terry's calmed down a bit. Okay. Uh, Mulas says, it is refreshing when we have a wrestling show that is great, even when it's average for its standards. I like this show, but I'm the only one who thought the promos were a bit too much last night. I think that's completely fair to let, like, um, this was a criticism that Adam and I always used to level at NXT. It's like, it's always really good, but sometimes it's just, not that next step up like you can have really good in-ring action but sometimes you just need a story that's gonna really drag you into the show and go like oh my god i can't believe they're doing that and i think i think aew had that last night to be perfectly honest i think the kenny stuff was so compelling that yeah it did actually have that little hook but yeah the rest of the show top quality Mm -hmm. uh the ds davis says i think it's especially cool that the pinnacle chose to beat down brian pillman jr whose dad was part of the four horsemen at one point i'm related i am so happy that brandon cutler is part of the omega bucks storyline even if he's taking pins that's what he's there for yeah but it's good to see him on dynamite yeah with his big dragon mask His D and D tights, the big dog. Yeah, my my notes at that point were just like, "There's a lot of masks on this show, <laughs> a lot of masks on AEW." New Punk Rants uh, said, "Just when I think I can't love AEW more, Britt Baker is my favorite woman. Ty Conti is a future star. Kenny Omega is doing all time heel work. The promos and stories just also engaging. It's only missing one thing: a certain juice." Hashtag bring back Juvie. Uh, I, yeah, I think it. I, I do think. Yeah, I, I kind of agree that Ty Conte is a future star, and Kenny Omega is really. Mm-hmm. This is this. I mean, this is the Kenny Omega we needed when they started doing AEW. Oh yeah, just stall on that for a little bit. Uh, New Punk Rants also says, "I'm also I'm invested in Cutie's character as well. Major DDP vibes. He's in my top favorite performers at the moment, especially since I watched uh, Being the Elite and Dark. Also, the Bucks Omega segment made me cry a little. I smell a swerve." I love this company Ooh. so much. Hashtag stay juicy. Smelling a swerve, eh? Ooh. What swerve would you... Are the Bucks well, actually I mean, going to side with Omega? Yeah, like, where, yeah, are the Bucks going to side with him or stay baby faces? You know, like Sarah mentioned in her Super Chat earlier, Hyper Chat earlier, like the Bucks feel like heels sometimes. And maybe mm. are they going to be... But having said that, they did try and turn them heel last year and it did not particularly work. I think it I think you could do I think you could do it, but I think you have to have the Bucks have to come close to losing the belts first, like mm-hmm. really close. And I think that they either have to they either have to come very close to losing the belts and they need Omega and the Good Brothers and that lot to protect them. Yeah. To keep the titles, or they lose the titles and then go side with those guys to get the power back. But something has to happen with the Bucks at the moment because I think they're kind of at the height of their powers and they don't necessarily need Omega in his lot. There's no, there's no compulsion for them there. Yeah. Uh, Peter Mullins says, uh, hey guys, medical stuff. As someone who has regular dislocations, a separated shoulder recovery entirely depends on the severity of the separation. The good news is that a minor separation can heal in a few weeks, but a severe one can take several months. So yeah, I guess yeah. it depends. It depends on where we are. That's what we were saying at the start of the show. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to assume, because we haven't really heard much, that it's probably a minor one. But yeah, hoping for the best. I think considering you got through the rest of the match, 
picking up a, a human being and chucking him around. You'd hope yeah, it was a minor one. Uh, Black Adam says, I finally get Darby Allen. Uh, Darby's strategy is to wear out his opponents by making them waste all their energy, kicking the piss out of him so they can't kick out of a roll-up. It's brilliant. If there was any time to call him audible, John was awesome. Yeah, I mean... Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I still think that Darby was the right man to, to get the win there. Um, but yeah, like, yeah, I, I think there's there's a point in time where John Silver should be winning that belt or winning our belt, you know, whether it's the tag belts or whatever it is. Yeah, and Matthew Robinson says, glad to see El Fagador on the show. Thank you. Gotta love the John Silver puts Derby on the ropes to force the breakup. Wow, so great. How far should they push John Silver? I think a TNT championship is a good start. Yeah, I definitely think so totally. too. I don't think yet, but I, I think some sort of like down the line it's it's a it's there's there's a there's so much story in that and there's a lot of emotion to tap into i think it's probably too raw to do it right now for a lot of people i think especially for the dark order guys but i think give it maybe a year yeah and then kind of let's come back round to this idea that john silver wins the tnt championship because i think that it could be really poignant uh at some point yeah yeah i think aw have shown that they've got quite a lot of restraint when it comes to like that's the story we wanted to tell, but like we need to get there first, as opposed to just rush it and just and just sort of snap into it. Um, sort of AEW general chat, abortion reborn, and James Handley have both got very similar points here, which is uh, abortion reborn says, How do how does give us a mox in Kingston reality show sound like give us a brandy and cody reality TV show? And James Handley says, TNT made a mistake giving Brandy Cody and Brandy their own reality show when anyone can see that the real power couple in AEW is Moxley and Kingston. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I probably would watch uh, Moxley and Kingston more than I will watch Cody and Brandy. Um, but I don't think we're going to ever get John Moxley being like, oh, yeah, a reality show. That sounds fun. I want to watch them just decide where they want to go for dinner. Oh, yeah. <laughs> them just bickering about the like, where do you want to go for dinner, John? Yeah, so there was um, so a, a, a bunny on, on one of her like Twitch streams that she did. Like, she hit this sort of target and stuff, so she had to call Eddie Kingston and ask what she what he thinks of her. And she called Eddie Kingston on this Twitch stream on his day off, so he just cuts a promo on her. So you got to call me on my day off. Like I don't like you anymore. And what I want now is I want a reality show from the other side of that, where Kingston picks up the phone and be like, "What? Why is Ali calling me on my day off?" <laughs> Uh, abortion reborn said how do we do hangman's going after kenny hangman's getting wins and climbing the ranks it's too obvious and it's christian's gimmick maybe he gets the number one spot and holds it for ages until there's a blood feed reason to pull the trigger thoughts yeah i mean i would say that it's you can do the story of like hangman gets the number one position but then isn't ready to Mm. to go after that sort of match so he doesn't do it or you could do the match and have kenny and have hangman lose again and then you know, like, okay, well, cool. So he's lost again to Kenny Omega. What does that do next for the for the Hangman character? Well, I think the the third option is that Hangman gets to the number one spot, and that drives Kenny insane. Mm. Like, yeah. you know, that's if Kenny is this kind of paranoid, psychotic champion who's like testing people's loyalties and you know doing it all as this public display of affection. Like seeing his former tag team partner, best friend. As the like, you know, as the person in the top spot who should be coming for him, and then maybe him not coming for him is the kind of thing that's going to push him to action. To be like, why aren't you doing this? What, yeah. What's your plan? What's your game plan? Like, you know, <laughs> there, there's a bit yeah. of kind of yeah. There's something really interesting in that. 
Abortion Reborn again said, uh, with the Pinnacle versus Inner Circle feud, Tully feels a wee bit extra. Maybe Bischoff to the Inner Circle as a foe to Tully. There have been a lot of Jericho-Bischoff interactions. Uh, there have been more fun than feudy. Uh, the Zorni says, hi guys, hope everyone is all right. My question is, uh, how many AEW shows, Elevation, Dark Dynamite, BTE, Sammy's blog, do you watch or would you watch if it was not your job? How many WWE shows, um, don't know all the names, would you watch? Um, yeah, I watch Dynamite. Uh, I try mm. and catch up on BTE if I get a free half hour, but like I don't watch Elevation, don't watch Dark, don't watch Sammy's vlog. Um, and I would watch Dynamite even if this wasn't my job. WWE is a different question. I would watch NXT um, and I would watch the highlights of Raw and SmackDown probably. Um, yeah, and I, I, I haven't got time to watch all of the stuff. I would be led by what the reviews said and I would watch yeah. those matches and I'd watch highlights of the rest of it because... I always watch yeah. the pay-per-views though. Uh, I can't even. I can't watch any other TV show on a regular basis, so I don't think wrestling would fit in otherwise. <laughs> yeah, like I've always said, like I, I, when this wasn't my job, I wasn't watching Raw and SmackDown on a weekly basis, but I'd watch the pay per views because it's easy access for me on the network. Uh, That's what Austin... video packages are for, Lou. <laughs> yeah, exactly, the video packages tell me what I need to know. Um, and the <laughs> Wrestling Observer Radio or going in, uh, going in Raw or something. Uh, Austin Dietrich said, "Do you guys think Hangman Page will beat Kenny Omega for the AEW Championship at next year's Revolution? I think it will be." It'll be hang. I got a feeling it's hangman. I don't know when, but I got a feeling it's hangman. Kind of hope um, it is next year. Um, uh, Matthew Mikowski says, I'll continue on for my last one, although I think it's the first one we've read out. Um, surely at double or nothing, they do faction versus faction matches, members of the IC versus members of the pinnacle. What do you think the matches will be? Also, we bloody need a Penta says t shirt. I'd put good money on buying that shirt. Um, I've absolutely no idea what we'll get for, for double or nothing. I couldn't even begin to speculate on, on what matches will end up with there. I mean, like Jericho versus MJF is probably one that we'll get. Whether you know you'll get like FTR and Santana Ortiz, I feel like that's probably more of a TV match. But Jericho versus mm. MJF feels like that's probably on the pay per view. Yeah, I could see them doing that, and I could I could potentially see them doing a huge tag match between the rest of the members as well. But like earlier in the show, for some sort of maybe for some sort of advantage in the match. For Jericho and MJF, but yeah, other than that, I don't, I don't know. The DS Davis says, "I, I love the untelevised house show announcement. Is if AEW isn't going to record it for Dark, which I think is cool of AEW to give their talent a show to perform on, like they normally would during Mania weekend on the Indies. Obviously, those are limited." Matthew Robinson says, "Normally, I hate reality TV shows, but something about Cody and Brandy show just looks interesting." What do you guys think? I'm not, I'm, I'm not a reality TV show guy, so I, I, it's not for me. And the DS Davis says, also, the Arcade Anarchy match will hopefully be more like the Best Friends versus Santana and Ortiz backlot brawl. That's how Best Friends like to end their feuds with a big old hardcore brawl. Looking forward to Trent uh, taking... I don't know if Trent's going to be ready by that point. Maybe the chat can fill me in on that one. Uh, mm. Taking the orange spot in the match. Uh, Matthew Mikowski also says, I love Laurie. We want Mr. Davis back. On another note, two killer shows. Killer main event segment for NXT. And I know this is a dynamite stream, but dear God almighty, inject HBK versus Adam Gold into my veins immediately. They teased that last night. I mean, I think he probably wants to make up for the Saudi Arabia debacle. So um, yeah, it's got to go out on, maybe... good, on good terms. Yeah. Doing it against his younger self would be the best way to do it. Um, we've got a few more to round us off here. Justin McLucky said, it's clear and obvious that the blowing up of Mr. Davis can uh, be the work of one person, the most savage heel of all WrestleTalk, Hollywood Salcedo. Don't worry, she's on my list of suspects. I'm going to ask her. Um, I mean, I've, I've, my detective skills haven't failed me yet. Dried chicken without flavor. Maybe it wasn't a man who tried to blow up Mr. Davis. It could have been a woman. We'll soon find it's, out. Uh, it's two for the Disney's. 
Uh, Spill an owner 10. Oh, I mean, Alex is also on my list of people to ask. Alex, yeah. Hmm. Could be Alex. Uh, Villanona 10 says, Luke, mi amigo, don't you know, uh, don't know if you remember this, but I'm the bastard who always give you Spanish lessons on the Friday show. I've been uh, inactive because for some reason my bank blocked my Patreon payments. Love everything you do there. Gracias por todo. Thank you very, very much. I did wonder where you had been, Villalona. Uh, and lastly, Luchabot said, hey guys, love to see that jam that champion on the podcast. You should have him on podcast more often. Much better than WrestleMarks, Ollie and Luke every week. <laughs> So it, it is horrible when people do enjoy wrestling. You mentioned that we are inching closer to the weekend. Have you got any plans for said weekend? Not really. No, I'm, I think I'm going to try and stream some Monster Hunter Rise because that comes out tomorrow and I've pre-ordered it and I love Monster Hunter. So I think I might try and get over on, on Twitch and do some of that. Uh, Last Life Co, if you want to hang out. Yeah. Last Life CO. Plug, plug, plug. Plugity plug. Come over. <laughs> uh, I've got a plug to do as well. Uh, I was uh, partially involved. Uh, partially involved. I, I've sort of helped with the launch of a Kickstarter, uh, Games Master The Oral History. Uh, that launched today is a book that covers the definitive history of the 90s TV show. I interviewed the, uh, the co author, who was the host of the TV show and the publisher. It's got a goal of £45,000. It's been live for three hours and it's at £22,000 actually basically halfway there now so really really pleased about that so if you if at all you're at least you're interested in in 90s television and want to know what it was like to make a tv show in the 90s where essentially they just said just do whatever you want um then it's a, a real fascinating insight into that sort of process good old television why was television so easy to get on back in the day uh, oh yeah yeah uh, now it's I just mean, like if i don't know like get, like get, it's gone backwards on games i think is the crazy thing about television like you know i, I know um simon longdon who housemate simon from wrestle talk works on quite a lot of sort of uh tv shows that deal with video games and attempting he's he constantly throws me up being like attempting to explain video games to tv executives it's like beating your head against the wall but it's like back in the day they were just like yes yeah, go do it make yeah. a show happens that was the, that now it's impossible yeah like when i've spoken to people who worked on the show that were just like oh yeah we basically just said like oh should we do this yeah fine and then like channel four had no issues whatsoever with anything yeah. they did i didn't even ask any questions they basically were just like yeah i mean you, you've got 18 episodes do what you want with them and so they did it's just baffling though because it's the biggest thing on youtube like gaming is the biggest thing on youtube twitch is completely dedicated to gaming in every sense and that gets millions of viewers across many, many hours of content. There's all these other ones that have been set up. Uh, then TV goes and commissions something like The Circle, which mm -hmm. might as well be a video game. Like, <laughs> yeah. I was, we were talking about it yesterday on the uh, After Dark podcast, how, like, it's, it is a board game. It is a social deduction game. It is Among Us, essentially, but for Instagram. Mm. So that sort yeah. of social yeah for yeah for influencers basically but like you commission something like that and you can see how game mechanics feed into really good tv shows loads of shows game shows why can't anyone just make a good video game show for tv and commission just, like, just don't understand it because laurie we need to have things like bank balance where it's just like you know this giant balance beam and gordon ramsay talking about different weights and stuff that go across the balance beam what have you not seen what's, What is Bank Balance? I need to bank see balance. this. It's, it's, a, it's the new game show that's on BBC One and it's hosted by Gordon Ramsay. 
Get in the bin. <laughs> Get lost. What is this? Oh, I'm going to have to watch a clip now, Luke. <laughs> and it is literally like a cross, like a, a, an X balance beam. And you've got to, it's a literal bank balance. You've got like different amounts of money that you've got to balance on the beams. This is stupid. <laughs> the, look how big look how big and unnecessary that set is so to be fair i worked when i first worked in tv i worked on a show called heads or tails which was justin lee collins uh and the idea was that you you basically like double your money every round mm. but it's all on a coin flip oh right okay so you, you judge what but obviously like because it's tv it couldn't just be a coin it, they had to. They created basically this catapult to flip this <laughs> gigantic. There's no. I mean, it didn't come back for a second series, did it? So that says everything <laughs> you need to know about heads or tails. What a load of shit! <laughs> it's it's just difficult, isn't it? Now because like one of the most popular game shows we have here in the UK is essentially like it's a slot machine game. Where it's, mm. um, I don't even know what you would call it. It's like, kind of like a, a pachinko machine, really, which where you just sort of drop something down and just, like, you know, down to the old arcades by the seasides. What even is that show called again? Oh, God, I, I don't know. Is it Ben? What's his face that presents it? It is Ben something, isn't it? Okay. Ben Shepherd. Is that his name? Ben Shepherd? Yeah. Ben Shepherd game show. Tipping points. Tipping points. There, <laughs> there you go. Tipping points. Yeah, it's essentially just like you just put the thing in and it just bounces around and then it lands and then it may push over some coins. Sometimes it doesn't. And like and that's the game. Yeah. But what so they took the it's the worst bit of a pier. Yeah. The worst <laughs> yeah. bit of a pier. Uh, the and they made that a game show, yeah. Yeah. So and and that's why bank balance gets commissioned because it's a very simple concept to explain to someone. It is a literal bank balance. Because that's the thing, because no one, when they went to the pier to do their research into the 2P machines for tipping point, no one looked in the corner and was like, Tekken 3? <laughs> Tekken 3's here? Like, because that's all, that's all I did when I went, like, my, my nan lived in Brighton when I was growing up, so we used to go to Brighton all the time. Uh, and every time we did, we'd go on the pier, and me and my brother would disappear for an hour and a half while my parents played the 2P machines to just play Tekken 3, because it was the only place we knew in the country that had mm -hmm. Tekken 3, because it took two years after it was in arcades to even come out. So me and Jay were just like always, oh, Tekken 3, Tekken 3, plays all the different characters, try and get all the way through. What a game. What a game. That right. should be a game show. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Because like, I go down to Hastings uh, a fair amount, because my, uh, my my sister-in-law lives down there. And I uh, I go down to like their arcades, always dead excited every time to go down to the arcades. But it is just 2P machines. Like they mm -hmm. don't have... Uh, like they have like some arcade games but they don't have like i'm after a time crisis i'm after a oh, point yeah. blank a house of the dead type thing even like a tekken or like any sort of like a, a world heroes or something nope it's just racks upon racks upon racks upon racks of 2p machines where you can win like little knockoff tweety birds and um or like the, the little grabber machines as well they literally say on them yeah there's a chance like these will just drop at random points so you may not win a prize <laughs> excellent stuff uh this yeah. just the pier has died a death the arcade has died a death that's the thing you get these like new arcades like heart of gaming and stuff in london where it's more like you pay and they've got all the machines and they kind of restore them and keep them safe or like four quarters which was mm -hmm. by our office it was yeah but with four yeah. quarters i mean it, it's it, i love four quarters 
but what's kind of great about heart of gaming is that everything's set to free play so you essentially yeah. just book your time in you know i'm just going to pay for two hours or whatever it is and then everything you just go and like everything's set to free play just play whatever game you want and it's wicked because they had like four a lot of people around. doing taiko drama there's always loads of oh. people doing taiko. so noisy what an aggressively oh, obscene it, game right? it is when i was in when i was in tokyo a couple of years ago like that is everywhere like you're just like mm. you're just in a supermarket and there'll just be one that's set up in the corner um and it's just like it, it, everyone absolutely like, loves it and when we went to, we went to a couple of arcades while we were there and there were like queues to get on really yeah people absolutely loved it there was no queue to get onto the luigi's mansion arcade game and i can tell you for why it weren't very good wasted money playing. how does that even work a luigi's mansion what do you do where, what how does that work well it's basically like one of those ones like, like a um you know like the the, the lost world uh arcade game where you kind of like sat in the truck thing it was like oh, that yeah. and you got like the big screen in front of you and then you basically got a hoover so it's kind of like a shooting game you just got the hoover in front of you instead of a, instead of a gun just a duck to like empty the bag <laughs> you use the pedal you pedal and luigi's desperately emptying the bag of the hoover and he's like pops back up yeah, it went very good. Goodness gracious, the arcade! Quite a bit of yen on that as well. Oh. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've got I've got nothing on this weekend either. To be honest, uh, mm. as I said on the the other show that we were doing, um, my wife's going for a walk, so I've got the house to myself for a little bit. So I'm just going to do some editing, and that is pretty much my weekend sorted. I may try and play a game, may try and dive into Yakuza Zero again. Um, but I'm just I'm so hard. worried. I'm Dude, get... This is it. This is how you can get over the half hour barrier you've set yourself for gaming every week, where you're like, I only get half an hour to play games. If you if your wife's out, she's out. Get the games on, she, mate. She is, but I've got this editing I need to do as well. Um, <sighs> maybe I'll take a day off from work and I'll just I'll do that instead. I, I'll I'll edit on my day off because I can't because when I take a day off work, I, can't, I still can't play games then because my wife's in the living room uh, using the off like that's her office. And she uses the PlayStation to watch TV because it's the only form of TV that we have. We don't have mm. like a, a box or anything. So we've got iPlayer and 4OD and Netflix and everything through the PlayStation. So that's the only way that my wife can consume any content. So I can't even then just take the PlayStation up for a few hours and play a game on my own. See, this is why when I moved, I got Virgin TV because we were doing the same thing. And I was like, I never get to play this anymore because we're <laughs> watching a lot of Channel 4. We've watched all of Friends again for some reason, but I haven't played many games. So uh, <laughs> we're getting we're gonna get a TV thing. Yeah, I may just go like well, like an Amazon Fire Stick or something. So then at least if I take the PlayStation away, there is still TV available. Guess just get a smart TV where it's all built in, mate. Well, that is well. I mean, I've been the apps are just in that there. Drum. I've been banging that drum for ages that we get a new TV. Because our TV, is actually, it's actually my brother's old TV. And my brother bought that TV in like 2003, maybe. So, like, it is an old ass. Is it TV. HD ready? It, oh, it is. It's HD ready. Absolutely, it oh, is. Oh yeah. Um, it has those got are the thick, ones. thick black. It's got a thick black rim around it. It weighs a ton, and I know it weighs a ton because I have to keep carrying it up and down the stairs when we decide to go and watch ER in bed. So, so like, <laughs> look at down up and down the stairs. I it's think you need well to get a few. I think you, what you need is a few tellies. That is also an option. I think once we uh, once we do get a new TV, which is on the list of things to get, I'll move the other TV up into the spare room. More Maybe. screens, more screen time. 
That's what everyone needs is more screens. Um, I, do you know what? Let's draw this to a close, though. Thank you all so much for listening. I'll be back tomorrow with Denise Salcedo for the magazine show, uh, going through your mailbag questions. I have made the suggestion to her on Twitter, whether she sees it or not, because um, Rob Zombie's new song is the theme tune for NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver. And Rob Zombie's come up in the conversation a few times on our show as of late because I bloody love me some Rob Zombie. So I'm going to try and get Denise Salcedo to listen to Rob Zombie and review it on the magazine show. See if she actually takes it up. I doubt she will. But uh, tune in to find out tomorrow. And then Pete and Andy will be doing the Smackdown show on Saturday. So there's all sorts to get your teeth into. Uh, Have a nice weekend, everyone. Take care. I love you. Goodbye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.